That's a bunch That's of right. horse garbage. That's amazing. So many episodes. It's a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comics, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode we're covering 2000 AD for May and June 1986, progs 471 to 474. This time, Johnny deals with hijackers. Anderson goes to another world. Blue learns the truth. Swifty heads to the street of many madmen. Ace Trucking gets away with it. And we learn the law according to Dread. <laughs> awesome cover, by the way. Holy shit. Yeah, definitely. And if you were, wonder... Someone disguising oh, yeah. themselves very clearly as TB Grover, <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you want to read along with us... You'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the Complete Case Files 9, Strontium Dog, SD Agency Files 3, the Complete Ace Trucking Volume 2, Judge Anderson, the Sci-Fall Files Volume 1, and 2080 Extreme Edition 14, and the Sooner or Later Collection. God, Sooner or Later is fucking tripping me out, man. Absolutely, yeah. It's a whole other situation. And speaking of different worlds, Fox. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's through one Judge Anderson. Cut to freaky Goro walking around a sewer. <laughs> Extra Goro, because he got six arms. Oh, yeah. Man. A script about John Wagner and Alan Grant is R. Clark. Art about Brett Ewins, letting her about Tom Frame. So. This wicked-ish blish kid has been possessed <laughs> by the demon Gargax. I'm not going to get over that. It's really great. It's real good. But now he's uh, just, you know, he's sort of changed into uh, this kind of six-eyed, six-armed monster and way less of the shawarma stick that he was previously. Yeah, they, they ungrossed him a little bit. I mean, yeah, he's still slightly. got those tiny hand arms coming out of his face, but... He's got some grossness. Yeah, <laughs> got some grossness, but he's not maximum gross. No. <laughs> He's headed into the Undercity beneath Mega City One. Judge Anderson's in hot pursuit. She tries to uh, call yeah, into is. patrol about the situation, but she's too deep to get through. She's on her own. <laughs> time, time to like cut back to the dead bodies thrown from a building not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. At street level, the other judges are investigating, including checking out the, yeah, like you said, the dead exorcist judges. Awesome. Um, yeah. Exorcist the, um, judges, dude. Yeah, another side judge is on the scene. Um, this guy's got a crew cut and gets reports of another demon possession. He runs to investigate, but it's just some kid fooling around. So he smacks him upside the head Dude, and has him taken. Slaps that kid. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And then takes him, has him taken to uh, in for psychiatric observation for wasting Justice Department time. Which I mean, fair. Don't do that. Yeah. Absolutely. In the Undercity, both uh, Gargarax and Anderson are attacked by Trogs. The demons fed them off with his burning hands. <laughs> Lay on hands in the opposite like sort of yeah. fashion. Yeah, it's like inflict pain or whatever. Ooh, um, or in inflict like wounds when you're Beautiful. an evil D&D cleric. <laughs> Meanwhile, Anderson just sort of hits the, guy with some, hits the guys with some elbow strikes and that's it. Dude, it's pretty great. Uh, she's yeah. looking fantastic with her elbow to the dude. Oh, I guess like the back of her. Back of she does hands. like the oh. yeah, like where where like the elbow hits your chest and then her fist hits your face. That sort of L shaped arm thing. Anytime um, you want to just thrash me around, I mean, you got my number. <laughs> sure. She follows the demons to an old church, and that must be where he's going. 
Uh, the other judges are after Anderson. The side judge follows Gar- as the side judge follows the follows Gargarax into the church, where she now can now hear the demonic chanting. She sneaks in and identifies this coven from last episode as Gargarax, sort of like manifest out from the Blish kid, and says that he's being. You know, we sort of learn that the kid's going to be used as a sacrifice. Because I, I guess it's the kid's like pure of spirit, mind, and heart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, last known virgin in Mega City One. Who knows? Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the magic circle is told that they'll get their reward once they've opened this portal they're chanting at. Which, if I was a member of a magic circle, I would not take ominously at all. Dude, <laughs> half now, half later. That's always the deal. Exactly. Anderson has a flash and sees that this portal, when it opens, will open the world to demonic invasion, and she but, bursts in to arrest these witches. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but it's like Ghostbusters invasion, right? Like Ghostbusters one. They're not. They're not like terrifying. They're just weird looking and toothy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, part of that is I think like like Brett Ewens' art ability, you know, because he's drawing them to be more sort of uh, fun, crazy demons as opposed yeah. to gross, terrifying demons. I guess exactly. <laughs> um. So yeah, so um, Anderson bu- uh, bursts in to arrest the witches. Sh- she threatens to kill the kid to stop the sacrifice, but they basically <laughs> call her bluff. So instead, she just starts killing the cultists instead, which seems which, fair I mean, enough. Yeah, they they're doing yeah. they're doing bad dude things. Absolutely, uh, Gargarax flees into the portal, and Anderson swings on like a burning sensor hanging from the ceiling after him, <laughs> but not before punching out the rest of the cultists. She then leaps forward. Into the unknown. You know, how many portals and dimensions is this woman going to go into? I mean, a lot, you know. It really like, feels that way, which just one of her big me mo- more excited. Yeah, and like one of her big moves when she's just doing regular side judge stuff is entering like the dreamscapes of killers to like learn their secrets and stuff. That's you know? true. God damn. So awesome. Yeah, she just spends a lot of time in other worlds, you know. <laughs> it's pretty rare. Yeah, we finally learned this new side judge's name. It's Walters, and he's got, like, Dan Dare eyebrows, and he's just lost contact with Anderson mentally. Oh, he does have Dan Dare eyebrows. Yeah, awesome. he's got those hooks, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he loses contact with Anderson when she crosses through the gateway. On the other side, she finds herself in the foul world that spawns Gargarax. And some and, uh, mouthy fucking stone faces. Yeah, she, like he, th- there are these carved faces on the gateway in the, on the other dimension. They start yelling at her. They call her a bitch and stuff. Which That's is not really cool. just out of place, man. Like you're just a gate. Yeah, it's got a very labyrinth feel to me. Although I think that yeah. movie's like just about to come out, so it might be like inspired by like some early things from it or something. That's fair. Oh, that was my yeah. favorite part where she's trying to figure out where to put the ring and which one's mouth were in its ears. Yeah. I guess good amount of uh, good amount of labyrinth thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> Except I guess you shoot David Bowie in the stomach. Well, yeah, of course, you know. Um, yeah, because in this world, Gargarax and, and uh, Hammy Blish are in separate bodies. Uh, and I guess they, they got to do the sacrifice on this side of the gate, which is kind of interesting. Anderson shoots the demon and gets it in the gut. But as she pursues demon and kid, she comes under attack from both river monsters and <laughs> evil satanic horsemen. She just goes stomps on the river monster. Like, screw yeah, you, buddy. No problem. But, like, you know, always good to have some skeletons riding demon horses, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, so Anderson takes several of these riders out um, with her lawgiver, but then takes an arrow to the shoulder. And then desperately, like, tries to, like, tries, has to re-grab her gun and shoot the final rider as he charges her. And man, like, you know, 
Like Anderson's, you can see Anderson's butt. It's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, that's what I want to say. Great. Yeah. They even re re replay this image in the final uh, prog, just so you get a real sense of it. Um, Anderson shoots this writer and almost gets trampled. This place plays for keeps, she says, and then she ditches her non-eagle shoulder pad to like remove the arrow from her shoulder and then use like a healing spray on it. Basically, it's a it's actually it's a pretty cool nine panel where you just kind of get yeah. to see her be a badass because dude, she's still yeah. a judge. Totally, yeah. She like breaks the arrow off in her shoulder and pulls oh. out, pulls it out from both sides and stuff. It's cool. So so intense. Definitely. So she's after Gargarax and the kid. Meanwhile, on Earth, the judges are rounding up the cultists and killing those that don't surrender, as you do. <laughs> so many they, dead cultists. Yeah, they put together that Anderson has crossed over to the other side, and the cultists say she'll never return. I mean, they're wrong. Obviously, running up that. the. Yeah, running up these stairs on a cliffside, Anderson is attacked by Gargarax, but he soon survives because he's weak for the gut. He, he's been weakened by getting gut shot, but he's given the kids to an infernal castle on the top of the of the cliffside. They're they're taking the stairs up, so Anderson's already lost. But mm. Anderson isn't so so sure about that, so she kicks Gargarax off the side of the cliff just to settle his hash. <laughs> settle his hash. I yeah, like you won't be sneaking up on me again, Gargarax. Falling to your death, how about that? And then, of course, he lets out a classic curse you as he falls. Curse you! Yeah, next so time good. on Judge Anderson, the castle of screaming skulls. Dude, that's just like, I want I want to be there. It sounds awesome. Like Metallica there opening enough, at buddy. the castle of screaming skulls. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, just fun. Uh, you know, I like this. This actually feels very uh, journey to hell, like the that Strontium Dog story. Yeah, this Anderson story with the writers and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's a cool way to sort of take this character into a world that's different than Mega City One. Absolutely. I just, I'm really, I, they're starting it off strong. I love it when you're when you're like starter prog is always just like, damn, it's time for some demons and some shooting, and I. Actually, I'm pretty sure she started. Yeah, she started every single prog for this read. Yeah, which no, I this feel is like is such a strong choice. Yeah, I mean, this is very much like the uh, a a great like first um like first thrill. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of these ones that like sort of pulls you in and makes you want to keep reading. Has a lot of action, has a lot of cool imagery and stuff. It's definitely a great you know in a great position for that. You know, it really just starts the awesome sandwich that is this this. Uh, this week's read absolutely and uh hey speaking of things that might that are uh, that are i don't know are not that bad maybe speaking, something speaking with the word of, bad speaking of hungry sharks man i don't know S- speaking of learning the weird truth it's thrill to bad city blue <laughs> oh man i i love because i i maybe you were going to mention this. He just like switches how he speaks at some point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's, it's script robot, Alan Grant and John Wagner is Craig lip art robot, Robin Smith letting robot, Steve Potter. So button man and general cool dude blue is (laughs) flying into the rich part of the giant asteroid city. He lives on and finds the rich to part of town completely deserted. What's going on? Oh, well, it's not so deserted. Yeah, because he's attacked by a fleet of guard sharks, which are these giant <laughs> flying sharks made out of bone, I guess. 
They I usually, don't know, man. Yeah, they usually guard the estates of the rich people, but now they're on the loose and clearly very hungry. But, like, if you sealed off all of the weird, crazy people below you and they definitely can't get up, what purpose does this fucking shark serve? Sometimes they do get up, though, and that's why you got to protect them. That's Plus, why. these rich guys, not cool guys. Apparently. <laughs> so, Blue runs for cover. He's blasting these sharks with his shotgun as he goes. Meanwhile, the robots monitoring Blue contact three other button men. Raven, Cameron, and Tober, who are also cool uh, future murder dudes, and they're all assigned to kill Blue. And they are, like, 100% in on it. They're like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, let's do it. We're on it. Look, I got a Hawaiian shirt. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) The smell of blood has the sharks turning on each other, and after some cool dives, Blue is able to get free and head to the city library where he can finally get some answers. Is this like like a comic book first where someone actually goes to a library to... Get some knowledge. <laughs> I mean, people go different places. I remember, like in city, remember in City of the Dam, they sort of brought up that video library to see what happened mm. um, when the you know in, in 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 the past, and they saw like the mutant attack and stuff. I just mean like the last time we went to like a like an official government building for a reason, at least that I can remember, was Disaster in nineteen ninety, where it's like, well, we got to steal this boat. <laughs> That's where they picked up the duck and shit. It's definitely been a long time since we've been to a library or a museum in the course of 2000 AD, for sure. (laughs) Museums, categorically not awesome. I mean, lack of thrill power. I think we can all agree with that. That's Uh, true. I mean, you know, except for the thrill power of learning about history, buddy. (laughs) Uh, The the more you know. Uh, That's beautiful. (laughs) So, Blue calls up the city records and finds the final meeting of the Bader City Council... The city was was a bold experiment, but a failed one. On the top of the city, the rich people have fallen into a malaise and being all sad all the time. On the bottom of the city, the poors have devolved into violent barbarians. Oh, man, it's, so might as well cut our losses and let those people kill themselves and we get yep. the fuck out of here. Yeah, time for the rich people to get out of here. They're leaving the city, leaving the remaining 98% of the poor people behind just to kind of eat each other, I guess. Whatever. You um, see, the rich can also be inclusive. The 1% aren't just thinking of themselves. They're thinking of the additional 1% below them. Yeah, because the 1% just sort of like live in luxury while the, 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 two, the 2% are the guys that are rich, that are rich but not rich, but still rich so they have to work for a living. You know, <laughs> got to be, be the CEOs and stuff. Um, <laughs> exactly. That's, that's who you need starting an entirely new colony, right? Mm. Confronted with all this, Blue laughs madly until the other button men show up. He tries not he tries to explain the situation, but they aren't hearing it, and it's time for a fight. Under heavy fire, Blue calls for his hover disc and escape, and the other button men pursue, but Blue has an idea and heads to the jungle dome cubes. And it's just like I'm I'm so into going to the jungle dome. Yeah. Now we flash forward. Blue is some like wakes up somewhere in a dun- in a uh, it, or sorry, he's delirious. He sees like various faces of people he's seen before, including the city council of uh, of Bad City, saying like "Doom, Brud, Doom." But as he sleeps, a man and a woman work on his body. They remove some sort of wiring from him, and soon he relaxes. Later, Blue wakes up. He's he's Darkseid in the Jung Dome. 
Yeah. We see and it. suddenly his his just speech changes completely. Yeah, he, he he walks out, like grabs a machete and threatens some people that that have clearly just saved him, but whatever. Yeah, he's lo- he's lost his memory and he's basically gone full Hulk, like blue workforce city. I hate city. I slit city gizzard. Yeah, it's, um, it was an odd transition for like a badass looking cool guy hero. Uh, it looks like these guys have taken out a neural implant in um in his brain, which, which let the city control him. I will say that it actually looks like a button when they took it off of him. So that's what m- might be why they call them button men. Okay. Um, but because of that, he's lost all of his memories, including forgetting about the uh, the truth of the city's abandonment. Um, but then but I guess kind like of, a couple seconds of thinking about it and he'll remember. <laughs> yeah, brings it all back. He, he then remembers fighting the other button men, taking one out and then getting caught um, by the other two in the jungle dome. But then a bunch of neo-primitives show up and kill the button men with arrows and spears. Neo-primitives. <laughs> well, like, because they're it's like true. guys with like spears and bows, but they also are clearly have, like... Have ties. On yeah, they're wearing like shirts. like the remains of society, which they pat, which they've gotten rid of to live in the jungle. It seems like that's just bizarre. <laughs> they they almost killed Blue, but this old guy saved him instead. Now Blue's been free and finds out that he's been a button man and been lost for the last five years or orbs, as they say here. It's just like all right. Yeah, so Blue starts to get his memory back. He remembers himself as a uh, as Dirty Blue, Skull Boss, Devil Killer, and like you said, I mean, <sighs> at first I thought it was just like memory lost Hulk talk, but now he's ba- he's basically just completely talking this like patois of a uh, of a future speak, basically. Like, yeah, all these words are shortened. Like certain like 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 like, like verbs start to go missing and stuff like that. You know, which I'm like, okay with. I just like it. It was just a weird like sudden thing to have changed because he was yeah kinda, you know he was the cool bad cop i i will say like bad city blue of the past i would i would not mind like a prologue Hmm. yeah i mean i i could definitely see if they're you know what it seems like all right so we we see in this story um uh well for um, that that blue is this big crazy gang member. He killed a whole bunch of people and was a b- great warrior and stuff. And then he got attacked by those robot jellyfish from last episode. He doesn't remember anything from that. So it seems like what the city fathers do and sort of is sort of find like the baddest asses of the heap and then turn them into button men, basically. Which I mean, why wouldn't you do that? I guess if yeah. you were totally evil. It seems very cool, and I think also that they then um, also program them to speak with a little bit less future speak, so they can sort of you know understand the reports they file <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, like, yes, make him speak properly when he works for evil. Thank you. <laughs> that okay? You know what? I can actually see that being the case. Yeah. So. Now his history starting, his memory starting to come back to them. He remembers the uh, city fathers leaving the city, and we learned that uh that a uh, Bader City has become Bad City, sort of like how Basin City became uh, Sin City, basically. Um, mm. He also remembers that one of the city council members used the term Bad City Doom, um, which is basically we learned that that the city's now being pulled into a black hole. The city sure, could not? be saved. Yeah, you know why not? Um, but. And the uh, and and the old guy here says that the city could be saved, but they have to get to the power dome to do it. But the whole thing was sealed off by by like a hundred feet of concrete when the class A's left in a final act of spite, and probably just to kill all the remaining pores, you know, when they left. 
Yeah, um, you don't really want those guys roaming the galaxy, right? You can't just leave them out. You know, you got to like yeah. like finish them off or you get ants, you know? Um, <laughs> Giant but, ants in Brazil. Yeah, ma- well, man-sized uh, uh, angry uh, neo-primitive murder ants at the very least. Oh, my God. Um, they, they could – if they could get through the concrete, they could use the boosters and the booster engines to escape. There's no way to do that. So now they're on a one-way ride to oblivion. Holy snap. We uh, we just got ourselves a ticking clock element in our plot. But As you do. Without, I guess like the literal clock or knowing how long you have. Yeah, but, you know, hole. good enough. Anyhow, next time in Bad City Blue, Blue Doo. <laughs> Blue Doo. Just you know some, what, you know. You know what, Conrad? You know, I am quite, I'm blue positive, so I will say Blue, blue Doo. Whoa. Yeah, you know, I'm enjoying Black, Bad City Blue a little bit. I feel like I, I, I love how how hard it's trying to make everybody seem cool. You know, like for better or for worse, that's very much what's happening. You know, I mean, I'll, I like, I'll say scientist people and neo primitive so far not as cool, but every everything surrounding the button men and like. All of the crazy sci-fi, uh, what is that? What do you even call them? Like, they're not even no good next. They've upgraded to like, yeah, past hooligans. <laughs> I just really like this. This this um, story feels so much like kind of an early to mid '90s science fiction movie to me. Or yes, yeah, like like along the same lines as like a Johnny Mnemonic maybe. Or something like that, where there's this like sort of sci-fi action, but it's also just a lot of like random people in like what what they and in, in what they're trying very hard to be cool outfits, just sort of doing you a know, lot of action with the, with the slower speech. This is definitely a Sylvester Stallone vehicle. You could do it, you know. Yeah. Like you could. Th- this could be a a third part along with um with Judge Dredd itself and Demolition Man. Like I'm ready Ooh, for that. <laughs> that's awesome. But yeah, and speaking of Judge Dredd, Fox. Oh, dude! Ah, <laughs> uh, the art this fucking week, man. Yeah, it's thrill three, Judge Dredd. What happened? Uh, okay, so before we before we go super into this, because I am yeah. guessing, because T B Grover obviously credited through all of this. So who yep. who was the lineup that we had for this this week? Because it was fantastic. Well, yeah. So it's it's John Wagner, and Grant is T B Grover as always, and then it's uh, John Higgins, Brendan McCarthy, oh, and Kev O'Neill. Derp. Oh, God, why did I even? You could just cut that out. No, keep it in. No, that no, it's I fine. Said, oh, I think God, it's good to talk. Like it, it's it's good to talk about it because it is the start of uh, Brendan McCarthy doing uh doing Dread, I believe, at least in the in the main in in the main progs. So it's good I, to mention it. Exactly, and I I love I love that they got Kev O'Neill back, and they just said, "Dear Kev, please do the thing that yeah. you do a lot," and then he yeah, did get that. crazy. Yeah, totally. Oh, so good. And uh, just a special shout out for uh, for McCarthy, like holy fuck, yeah, and the color pages. Anyway, I'm gonna Definitely. let you get to this. Yeah, it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So John Higgins is up first as a mutant appears at the walls of Mega City One. He's got a massive rad reading. He's totally radioactive. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And uh, the judges tell him to get lost. When the mutant doesn't, they blast him with a laser cannon, but he just absorbs it and fires it back. Yeah. And then he's got that power. You know that yeah, one. Yeah, like a bishop in X Men or something. Uh. Um, but uh, 
we're we're sort of hearing his narration and the man's here for revenge. He's in constant agony. He's got this power running through him that constantly hurts him. It hurts him to channel this power, but he can control it and uses it to blast through the walls of Mega City 1. Seems like a bad situation and, and wisely judges are giving him a pretty wide berth. Yeah, they scramble, but shooting him just gives him more power, which allows him to like blow up some judge bikes and stuff. He keeps walking, pushing himself as we see him. He's in like agony. His body's failing. It seems pretty terrible. It's pretty <laughs> rough, yes. Stum gas does nothing, um, and he just blows right out of riot foam. Soon, Dredd, who's like sort of the primary on this situation, is joined by side judge Corey, who's an empath. She reads the mutant's thoughts. And basically flashes back to a fine day in South Sector 3 when Ike Nobel is going for a walk when suddenly the Apocalypse War breaks out, which is pretty rough. Watches his Uh, fucking entire family get vaporized as uh, chemicals happen. Yeah, yeah. He hid behind a truck of of a danger acid and watched his whole family (laughs) uh, get killed by the explosions before he was killed as well. But the mix of the nukes and the chemicals caused him to come back to life as this weird exploding man. Which, all right then. Fair enough. Yeah. Corey weeps at the pain he's in, but also knows that Nobel is out for revenge for the Apocalypse War, and it seems he can't be stopped. He's nearing a sector house, ranting that the judges should have warned them. Dredd just has the place evacuated, and Nobel enters the building, and after four years of walking in constant pain, is finally satisfied as with a big smile on his face, he explodes! Finally gets his release. Yeah, Dredd is bummed he can't arrest Nobel, but uh, Corey assures him he's paid for his crimes. The end, though. We yeah, it's pretty good. We'll see Judge Corey um, once or twice as the years run by as as well. Cool. I I like how it wasn't even like Justice Central. It's just whatever sector house he could get yeah, to it's, first. It, it, it's just like Sector House West or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you can't nuke Justice Central anymore. It's nuke proof. You know they went, they, they lost two in a, they, they lost one and then and then another one. You know with that uh, practical Joker guy. So at this point, mm. you know, like it's it just stands in defiance of all this stuff. <laughs> I I have a feeling it will explode again. Seems, yeah, it seems reasonable. Seems too, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, at this point now, it's so tough. It's got to be exploded. You know, it's just like it's just daring <laughs> to do gotta, it. Then you got to build it uh, with even more stronger stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So Brent McCarthy takes over on art for this story. Writers on the storm. So beautiful. Yeah, it's it's his first time doing Dread since Prague one forty six, and he's really developed his art style since then mm. for sure. Um, if you like this, Fox, you might want to check out uh, this year's Judge Dread Annual, which mm-hmm. which we've already do- done the show for, and has this awesome Brendan McCarthy uh, uh, Dread story where he like gets hit by this psychedelic gas and he's like walking through Mega City One, like um, and the whole world's like shifting and moving around like like, like he's on LSD as he goes. It's really awesome. Fuck off! All right, like. We're really seeing, like, Brent McCarthy was a pretty early, like, 2080 artist, but he's really developed his art style, I think, and we're really starting to see it come into his own, especially, like, in the color pages of these next two progs, and just in general, I think. It looks really good. At, at, at his height, he gets a really distinctive look for Dredd. I always remember him because he, he draws Dredd's helmet really wide, mm. like, so that it looks almost like a... Uh, like a salad bowl or something instead of a regular <laughs> helmet, you know, just something right. to keep an eye out for. 
Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's not bad. It's just an observation. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, so, a massive thunderstorm has broken out in Sector 50, 58. Judges try to direct traffic, but an evil biker gang is out for blood. As are some other gang members. I mean, you know, they're just having a regular <laughs> nightly riot as it goes. And McCarthy does draw some cool action scenes of the chaotic violence of this rumble. Yeah, they're just like, they all came to a place at an agreed upon time. And they're like, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, listen, if it was West Side Story, they'd all go there like, you know, like, like snapping <laughs> as, 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 as they went. Because I think that's really how you do when you're a street gang. You just have rumbles in, at, at, at various places. Well, there was the um, singing troupe of them that one time, right? That's so. true. Yeah, they they were going a rumbling. Um, the the wow. the bikers arrive. There's a lot of uh, it can't be. You're dead, and so are you, street meat. It's a massacre. <laughs> uh, Dread arrives, and we learn that we're at the uh, at the at the uh, Ferd Marcos block, the Ferdinand Marcos block, the uh, the dictator of uh, the Philippines. And we, we've been here before with that story about that kid that could blow things up with his eyes. I don't know mm-hmm. if, you're, if you remember that one, Fox. I do. It's the like an immigrant from, a, from Neo-Cuba or something. Yeah. Um, so Dredge in pursuit of this biker gang. Things feel very Sin City with these motorcycles and the rain and stuff. Dredd pulls along. Yeah, he pulls alongside of them. But we're denied the actual fight because the bikers just fade away into the night, vanishing in thin air. Ooh. Yeah, later Dread later Dread gets news that these bikers were identified as the Ramos block insolence, but they were wiped out a year ago. These what guys the got flip? wiped out by Yeah, the, these gang members got all killed by ghost riders. Ooh. Spooky. The <laughs> rainstorm continues at as the uh Amelda Marcos block trendos are taking advantage looting a fashion boutique to get fancy they clothes, look which is fabulous. And it's very funny for Imelda Marcos, who had like, you know, when she left office, she had like 500 pairs of shoes or something like that, as I recall. Um, But as they're doing this, the insolence arrive. But that's impossible. It seems the Trendos helped set the insolence up to get killed by the judges. (gasps) And now they're going to pay. And they did. They're dead. Yeah. Dread investigates gunshots and once again finds the Trendos mostly wiped out, only a single survivor. And then we cut to see a bunch of old guys watching all this on TV what at the, the same deuce? time. What, what can it mean? They, they uh, try to the insolence are going to kill some more trendos, but Dread goes to stop them this time, and it turns out that these insolent bikers are actually robots. Ghosts, my butt. Yeah, uh, they're they're being ghosted away with the matter transporter, but Dread grabs one of the bikers and gets teleported along with them Smart and move. forces. Yeah, and he forces those controllers to surrender. It's the Ferd Marcos Rich Fellows Club, a bunch of rich guys, <laughs> using a matter transporter and robot bikers to take to end the local juve crime problem. And they would have gotten away for it, too, if not for those meddling judges. Which I feel <laughs> like, you know, uh, I get uh, their evil mindset here, but again, the judges seem to shoot a lot of people anyway, like... Yeah. Just hastening the the whole situation, not really helping it. Mm. I just like how like th- there is a punchline for here where where Dread tells the old guys uh, on your bike, you know, which just sort of means out of here. And it's yeah. funny because they use bikers, but I just love how Scooby Doo this whole situation is. Oh, like, it's one hundred percent the plot of a Scooby Doo story. It was but, the like, rich with, people the whole time, but with violent bikers, you know. So it's a little bit darker. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I make an interesting Scooby Doo. I mean, really listen. Po-faced before. 
Yeah, there's not really a lot of hardcore violence in Scooby-Doo, as I recall. A lot of softcore violence, because that's just there's how you do in cartoons. But whatever. It's a lot of hardcore, like, sandwich violence. <laughs> they eat a lot I'm, of sandwiches, I'm, man. It's, I'm a, like, I'm, it's horrific. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm like a sandwich uh, serial killer, buddy. Do, uh, please believe. <laughs> Dude. Um, I'm, I'm committing sandwich massacres on the daily. Yeah, I'm wanted in this Sando Hague for my sandwich crimes. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Anyhow, Fox, way out Ooh, not rad... the Hague, the hoagie. <laughs> ah. Sorry. High five. Thank uh. you. <laughs> way out in Radberg, let the first law be that I am the law. Let oh, the second God. law be that what I says goes. And let the third law be that anybody who says difference, a dead man. Oh, my God. So great. Rad... I love all yeah. the little touches like in each of the scenes, by the way. Totally, yeah. Uh, Radberg's now ruled by Judge Joe Dredd, but wait, it ain't the real Judge Dredd. It's a ridiculous Kev O'Neill mutant who thinks he's Judge Dredd. <laughs> oh, and when when we say ridiculous Kev O'Neill mutant, I mean it is a fantastic Kev O'Neill mutant. It's I want to so say, funny. like, yeah, Dredd, yeah Kev O'Neill basically draws us an ultra-roided-up version of Judge Dredd <laughs> as a mutant. And fills this whole story with tons of tiny little touches, like like like, like you said, Fox. When they're when we're flying in the city, in on Radberg, there's all these little like jokes and billboards and other things going on as it. you're as, as we're going in. Uh, this this uh, fake dread himself is so great, just because there's so many little things that are like not correct about him. You know, yes. that's sort of like the besides the fact that he's. Yeah, besides the fact that that he's a giant mutant with a bolted on chin, just make his chin bigger and stuff. There's little stuff like um like the top of his helmet, um like the sheet like the badge there says make my day has has make my day in, um, engraved so in it. Great. Like Dirty Harry, but also notice how that um that head badge has four stripes on it whereas Dredge, Dreads has five, for instance. Ooh. And they're, they're basically they they look like teeth. Yeah, but there's just all these little things that, like, you know, I'm probably going to use this one as the as the uh, as as the show art because I think I, oh, I think it's I, pretty why fun. Why wouldn't you? It's the best yeah. cover. But like, I don't know. I I just look at it and I just see all the little like um, something that people talk about on the forum sometimes is sort of how you're officially supposed to draw dread. I get you know. Mm. So like. The fact that like all of his stuff is yellow, that that his zipper goes down like 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 to his taint, basically. <laughs> that, you know that that he's got a hip holster instead of uh, an ankle holster. All mm. this kind of stuff are these like things that are like ah yes, this is different from the official way you're supposed to draw dread. So you've made it into I, a uh, in, into this parody, you know. I I like how all of the e's that he uses are backwards. So yes, dread, definitely make my day. But also, he's got like a a tube from his esophagus, like the very yeah. bottom of his esophagus, that looks like an umbilical cord that goes into the Judge Dread, like, um, like name it, into class. the badge. Yeah, the it's because yeah, because he doesn't even like he's so out there. He doesn't even have a a place to stand on how many links should be in Judge Dread's chain, which is something oh. that if you have an opinion about online, you will get in a fight. Oh my god! Okay, I will. I will like, avoid that. Like Why? if you wanna, if you wanna get in a fight in 2080 on a 2080 Twitter, say that our Judge Dredd's chain has seven links, and you are in the middle of it. God, I just really, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can care about that. Maybe I just haven't read enough of this comic. 
Also, just to mention, Hitchin and Hangin's a specialty. No wait, no fuss, no right of appeal. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we see what he... So we're, we're at this mutant's court. He kills one perp for questioning his identity, which is a particularly heinous crime. I'm heinous. Uh, <laughs> I love the way and, he talks. And two others are, uh, are, are, sentenced, are charged with the crime of just passing through. And he's... <laughs> He sentences them to death and sends and sends them to Kneepad Hill to dig their own Dude. graves, which is well, also I, pretty funny. The whole thing was great because he's like, "Okay, you're charged with just passing through. Check the law books, shoddy." And he's like, "Oh, we got nothing in there." So he's like, "All right, well then, let the 944th law be that asking for directions uh, within the uh, environs of Radberg is hereby a crime punishable by confiscation of all goods and chattels and death, of course." I love it because it's such um, stereotypical cop speak, you know, <laughs> like that sort of exactly. like, I don't know if in England they have the show Cops, but if you watch that show in like the States, you, you know, when uh, police officers speak when they're on TV, they often get this very hyper technical way of speaking about things. Yeah. You know, like, like, sir, if you'll please extrude yourself from the from the vehicular conveyance. And stuff like that, you know. Yeah, they don't talk um, like that in the real life. <laughs> no, but when they're, but like someone who thinks they're trying to sound like a cop, that's how you talk. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. So that's what's key for this guy. Yes, <laughs> I think it's fucking spot. Like the whole thing's flavor. Oh, it's so it's great. Cool. And and Kev O'Neill's so great. Just like not just how he draws the fake dread, but all these mutants in like heavy armor, like oh, sort of man. just walking around, being this guy's lackey and stuff. Things are going pretty good. They're up on Kneepad Hill, which is it's is, is its own little uh, uh, 2000 AD Judge Dredd joke. Mm. When suddenly, who's that on the horizon? It's the real Judge Dredd. Awesome. The, the two judges meet, and uh, Fake Dredd is super honored. He like shakes Dredd's hand because he's modeled himself <laughs> on the real thing. Dreads here to arrest the two passers through for not paying their exit taxes when they left Mega City One. <laughs> so it's like, listen, we're gonna have to bring you back, and you're gonna do six months, and then you can leave again if you manage to get the money to leave. Um, they're like, yes, please. Yeah, they're stoked. Dread is less stoked to hear about um, what's going on here and being done in his name, just on frontier town. <laughs> He's silent for the most part as they like. As he just over-explains why they've gotten to this point. Yeah. Then he just ends up sitting down reading the book a lot, and he's like, it's a lot of death in this, man. Yeah. We learned that uh, this uh, faux dread has been reading a lot of 3000 AD and decided to um, <laughs> use the tales of dread within to um, just start, you know, he said that this area could use some law and order, so he started making up laws and enforcing them, most of them with dead he sort of plans to have a celebration, but Dredd stops it because this isn't real justice, and mm. and Dredd, this Dredd's just a maniac. He's so I gonna have to shoot them all. Yeah, he's got to exterminate a lot of them, and a cool gunfight breaks out for sure. But Dredd's arrested, punched in the chin by a cyborg mutant's robot fist. <laughs> and I guess we're gonna find out what happens next time. And in my imagination, it's. That the chin just deflects the fist. It doesn't seem... Like, we see it just as the robot fist impacts the chin. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not quite clear what exactly would happen, you know. I really like this one, though, because it sort of speaks to a criticism that I think a lot of people have about Dredd who haven't read Dredd, which is that he sort of does whatever he wants and just sort of says, I'm the law, so that justifies all of his actions. Exactly. 
when, you know, I think you and me, Fox, would both agree that, in fact, Dredd's very constrained by the law and by the sort of what the statutes are and things like that, you know? Fairly often. Yeah, like, he's not just, like, a murderer out on the street doing whatever he feels like with his fascist worldview, you know? He's, like, you know, he's got a standard of ethics, and there's, like, and, like, you know, he can't just do what he wants. He's got, like, he he is the law because he's the embodiment of civil force, not because he just does whatever he wants, and that makes it legal. He's more of like a, a critique on the whole thing anyway. Like, I don't know. You got to read yeah, it to no. see it. Yeah, but 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 he's lawful. He he's yeah. a he, he's lawful neutral instead of lawful evil. The way I feel like a lot of people who aren't familiar with dread think yeah. he is. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Everyone again. I think you put it best. Like they sort of lump him into the Punisher camp, and I'm like, he is. I mean, like, look the 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 comic is violent, but it's not. Yeah, it's not Punisher. It's violent. yeah, it's 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 or and and the reasons and the re, and the reasons behind why it's violent come from a different place. Exactly. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, next next time on Dread, Judgment by Fire. Awesome. Yeah, real good stuff, man. But speaking of things that may be less good, it's uh, non thrills, covers, and nerve center. The covers were fantastic. I got to agree. Uh, Prague 471, it's the Exploding Man. Ike Nobel nukes in this uh, John Higgins cover. I want to say it is funny just that this guy's name is Nobel because the Nobel Peace Prize and uh, mm. Nobel sort of inventing gunpowder and all that. Or ni- ni- nitroglycer- nitroglycerin, I think. But whatever. Something explodey, basically. Um, in, the ner- in the nerve center, Tharg the... Uh, Tharg... Um, Dr. Glyph <laughs> mentions um, all the contests he's had recently and that rewards are coming in Prague 478. A picture tells us that Dredd's helmet is stuck to his head and letters include a baby eating a prog, info on the equipment uh, Glenn Faber uses, Earth, ha- there being only Earth pricing for the best of 2080 monthly, huh. and praise for Ian Gibson and Halo Jones, which, you know, Correct. kind of agree on that one. Yeah, we're seeing more of this Biggles comic mid-prog, so I guess I've got to watch this movie just to see what the heck's going on here. You can also enter a contest to win a Mega Clock, which is a 2080 crowd seen by Brian Bolland with a clock built into it, and it looks pretty cool. Yes. Just if you like if you like, uh, like desk clocks, I guess, which I feel now have been completely replaced by a clock on your computer and or phone. <laughs> you know? Yeah, babe, they're everywhere now. Can't get yeah. rid of them. Prog 472, Zip It Creep, an amazing Brett Ewan's Judge Anderson uh, cover here. Like, they clearly know what they have with Anderson because he's on every, like, fourth cover during this story. There's a really iconic one next episode. Man, she's looking so great. Looking fine, girl. Yeah. In the nerve center, Thermostarg lets us know that Ace (laughs) Trucking is ending in this prog, but we'll be back in Prog 475. And that Dice Man 3 is coming out soon. There's a picture of Rogue Feeker, which is a Rogue Trooper Feek. A reader is uh, told to bring thrill power to America, which, you know, unsuccessful. A, um, there's requests for a collection of daily star strips and a Judge Anderson t-shirt, as well as a question about what color Anderson's hair is. It's blonde, but sometimes it's more of a reddish blonde, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um there's a great double pinup mid prog by Steve Dillon of a good cop Anderson being oh, like, yeah. the law loves you. And he's like, is that right? And she's like, yeah, it is. And sort of like plays with this perp's chest. And then <laughs> the law loves you. And it's uh, Judge Dredd coming up from behind you, smacking you upside the head with his uh, day stick. Okay, why not, <laughs> you're, man? Beautiful. You're breaking my heart, creep. It's tough love. <laughs> <laughs> 
than what I believe is the final Biggles uh, comic. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, Prog 473, when the rain comes, people run and hide with this very cool Brendan McCarthy cover here. With it's this gorgeous, sort of punk. but I have yeah. no idea what it has to do, I mean, bearing on anything. I- I think it's just the story is about like the the dread story he's drawing is about rain or something like that. Right. But it's just this kind of like punk psychedelic lady with an umbrella and a five barreled gun. And it really makes a really amazing use of color. Like the whole thing just like it really reminds me of love like a uh, like the way it's colored really reminds me of of like a when there's like gas in like a puddle, like in a in a parking yeah, lot or something. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of like like washed out, but like still very like psychedelic like uh, color oh, things. It's very very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, in the nerve center, Tharg head the the, the Tharg headroom talks so um, awesome. talks up the preview. Yeah, talks to the preview of Diceman this issue. There's a picture of a Judge Sylvester. LOL. Mm. You know, coming soon, I guess. <laughs> um, Ten years now, or or nine years now, I guess. And letters asking for more Rogue Trooper and Nemesis the Warlock. And another request, this time for Judge Anderson's phone number. Get out of here, buddy. Oh, man. Not before me. 1986 yeah. child. I mean, you know, like Anderson's still going strong these days, buddy. You know. Beautiful. And, you you know, at, at, the, at, at, at this point, like 30 years here or there isn't that much of an age difference of the remaining, mm. like, like, like mm-hmm. 150 or whatever. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mid-prog, there's a big preview of Diceman number three with stories for Rogue, the actual Diceman character fighting Nazi zombies, and one where you are Torquemada taking That's on awesome. pig nuns, all kinds of stuff. Oh, <laughs> like purging, whatever. I guess. <laughs> I'll purge a pig. Always. Prog 475. All rise for his honor. A crazy mutant tread says he is the law. Awesome. In the Nerve Center, Bad City Tharg suggests we check out the 86 sci-fi special, which, which you already sure. covered here. And th- and that was also a bit of a new listener episode, so, you know, send it to your friends and let them learn about 2000 AD. <laughs> There's also a picture of a big-lipped Judge Mick, and I guess there was just, like, some sort of mid eighty Stones revival going on, because he was also in uh, the recent Ace Trucking story. Mm. There's some, I, I, I guess there's always a Stones revival going on. At, oh. at any given point after the stones stopped being big the first time. Yeah, like, they just resurrect like after, the uh, the corpses with uh, necro fluid or whatever, and then they yeah. just get back on stage. Yeah, dead fluids. Yeah, from 1972 oh. to now, it's a constant cycle of birth and rebirth for the, for the Rolling Stones, like the Seems Phoenix. Seems just like a, like a hell for them, I imagine, just to like I guess, be man. put oh, back listen. into cryo and then like rolled back out to be on stage. Yeah, listen, I'd I'd hate to travel to exotic locations where people are really interested in my art, buddy. That'd be real bad. (laughs) Make a lot of money? Oh, no. (laughs) All right, man. All right, don't get sassy about it. The easy version of touring where you're just rich and everybody does some does stuff for you. Oh Jesus. Don't don't threaten me with that briar patch, Fox. Um, Anyhow. (laughs) In, In in the letters. There's confusion about who drew Dread first. Escaradrum first, of course, and McMahon was the first published Dread. Mm-hmm. Uh, a reader calls out a couple heroes who have died recently and worried that Dread will soon be hanging up his knee pads. Yeah. And then there's yeah, and, and th- there's a letter about Celtic romanizations of names and a request for more Ron Smith, which I can only echo. He'll return in uh, Prague 482. Hooray. Yeah, but speaking of uh, exciting 2000 AD artists, it's... Thrill for Ace Trucking. 
coming to a uh, close. Script- yeah, speaking of dead ace garp, yeah. Uh, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's Grant Grover. Art robot Massimo Bellardinelli. Lettering robot Tony Jacob. So yeah, so just a quick one here. Uh, it's time to get. It's time. It's, it's time for us to leave as the Garps and Feeks bring GBH from Space Chicken Prison. Uh, it looks like they got paid, and the Garps managed to steal the the Boozlebug eggs that they were selling for themselves. So they got hey, paid sure. twice, basically. The Garps plan to sell the eggs on another Cluck planet, but but Feek and GBH have had enough of this particular scheme, <laughs> so. Instead, GBH tells them to ditch the eggs when Rooster Cogburn and a naked private Leghorn burst in on the scene. Some quick bickering. Then GBH does that thing where you step on a on like the uh, on like a plank on the floor, and it yeah. sort of teeter totters the chickens right up into the ceiling, which is pretty I awesome. Mean, really, it just feels like he could probably do that with, I mean, just anything. Yes, <laughs> GBH. There's really there's very few situations where GBH like loses the fight. Like I think the only time we've seen him is when he was in that uh, boxing match, and there was a guy that was literally ten times as big as him, and it was still a fight. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, in the end, they decide to uh, dump all the booze legs down the throat of Rooster Cogburn, which gets him ridiculously high, ridiculously stoned out of his gourds, and then the aces <laughs> leg it back to their ship. GBH is kicking and punching chickens as they go. It's pretty good. There's one scene where GBH is taking out three chickens at the same time, like one with each fist and one with a foot, which is pretty awesome. Just, just like doing doing the Lord's work making chicken nuggets. Absolutely. 10-10, we gone! The uh, the truckers escape with five million bims back in the <sighs> prison. Whoop. Back at the prison, Leghorn gets revenge on Cogburn, stripping, tripping, stripping him of his clothes and plucking all of his feathers out. And that's oh, just getting real weird. I'm glad yeah, this story's done. Can we just like <laughs> not do this anymore? Back aboard the Speedo Ghost, the crew celebrates. But when they toast over the money, the, some Mac Mac gets on it and the ink starts to run, revealing the bills to be counterfeit. Oh. They get all that for nothing. So once again, as per usual... Feek goes crazy and starts trying to shoot him. Yeah, boys run off into the sunset, pursued by Feek. The end. Um, then we get an epilogue where Rooster Cogburn is demoted to street duty, and he causes a massive fad of getting plucked among the young folks of the city. Did we need to tie up the loose ends of these chickens? I mean, there is my favorite joke here, which is that Leghorn is sentenced to the waste of Turkey Stan, and you just see him talking to this uh, turkey man, kind of be like, what, what, what? <laughs> He's trying to get in <laughs> past the border process, which is pretty good. And eventually, Al Capon broke out of prison, passed a chicken Bellardinelli prisoner, but then escaped to Earth, where he was accidentally eaten for Christmas supper, and it's just a horrifying giant turkey man with a head about to be eaten by oh. a family. The yeah. end of Ace Trucking! <laughs> I think it's speaking English would be like the fucking tip-off there. Maybe don't eat this strange bird man. Man, you know, if I live my life not eating strange bird man, I wouldn't eat anything. You know, that's <laughs> the life I live as an American. Um, Ace Trucking will be back next episode in Prague 475, which will be the final Ace Trucking strip. Yes. Or Ace Trucking Adventure, although that one's going to last until the end of the year. <laughs> oh, my God. Like that, That's oh. like a 26 Prague uh, story, what so it should be exciting. fuck, man? It's these two real long ones, you know, you got to get it in. And speaking of exciting space voyages, Fox. Ooh. Oh, God, Yes. Yes, it's Thrill 5, Strontium Dog. Dude, it's time to rage. The rage is back on. 
It's a fucking rampage. Rage. Yeah, script about Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant. Art about Carlos Escara, letting robot Gordon Robson is Kid Robson. So, on the trail of his buddy Wolf's killers, Johnny Alpha is cor- has cornered Scab Jones, brother of, of a Bubba Gang, Max Bubba Gang member, Impetigo Jones, when mm-hmm. he senses another attack, and it's that Bo Reagan from the doghouse. He's out for revenge. Dude, or he was, no you know. one is going to get spared from this yeah. rampage. He was going for revenge until this Johnny shoots him right in the chest and kills another <laughs> of his buddies right away. And the straight third- up grabs and yeah kills the other guy and then just fucking just starts getting a slap down on this kid yeah the third guy he like tries to surrender and johnny's like oh you you came with the king and you missed so now there's no surrender there's just you and me going for our guns and he just shoots the guy right away yeah well and he's like listen man i really surrender he's like uh no i'm going to shoot you so either you're gonna grab your gun or i'll shoot you yeah go like a man or just get shot like a dog in the street i mean this is the first time you're seeing johnny like this i later it gets vindicated in such a huge way anyway yeah johnny starts slapping uh scab or, or so so all this causes scab to surrender and johnny just starts slapping him around for information in the middle of the street um, like just at, in the rain, it's really crazy. Does uh, Milton Keynes City fathers try to talk Johnny out of doing all this? But Scab soon as spills he's, the as beans. he's drowning the kid in water. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, Scab says that Max Bubba is headed to Dragon's World, G R A G A N, and so Johnny lets Scab time, go. Son of a bitch. Yeah, and then the town uh, turns on Scab for oh, hiding yeah. Wolf's killers. Because Wolf like is like the... a fucking hero, and everyone's like, he's the best guy. Shoot him in the back for me, or like put another yeah. bullet in him for me. He's literally, like he like like I said last time, like like Johnny and Wolf are literal like like big time heroes in Milton Keynes. Like Wolf Sternhammer bullet like the Johnny Alpha Elementary School is on Wolf Sternhammer Drive, you know? Like <laughs> it's ridiculous. Is that is that like for real? Are you being for real? Yeah. Yeah, oh definitely. My God. That's awesome. Yeah, because during that prison thing, they like, or during that uh, gambling story, they ended up giving like like ten million credits to just the city fathers of Milton Keynes for oh. like you know to help them improve the place. Like they've done, they're a big part of you know they're like a big benefactor of the community. You know, plus Johnny's a war hero. Plus all this other yeah, stuff. I mean, you know, yeah. Again, why would you ever fuck with these people? I feel like that's just a fucking recipe for disaster. I mean, in Scab's case, it's because like the other guy is literally his brother, which makes you have to like make some hard decisions. <sighs> But, you know, I mean, still, don't, at the very least, don't, in, you just give up the information when Johnny comes, as opposed to taking some shots at him, you know? Yeah. Save some of your friends' lives from getting shot by a war hero slash super <laughs> bounty hunter slash guy on a rampage. Absolutely. Those are some good slashes. Like, I, I, I'll always watch a movie with that set of slashes, for sure. <laughs> um <laughs> At the space at, at a spaceport, the SS oh. Lonro prepares to leave aboard it our honeymooning vid stars, Rock Potato and Brigitte La Bombe. And I Ooh. have fallen head over heels for Brigitte. Yes, they are very nice looking. Her lips insured for a million for a cool billion credits. Yeah, man. <laughs> Apparently those are the lips that seal the deal. Oh yeah. At another entrance to the ship, uh, the um, the galactic twit of convention has a bunch of jerks getting aboard the ship, as well as Johnny Alpha, who stumps aboard, checking his weapons as he goes. Yeah, they. I mean, everyone seems pretty fine with him getting on here. There's not too much racism, although uh, some of the, the twits seem confirmed, seem, seem seem concerned, but less for ra- racism and more for something else. 
Well, so uh, the the only bit, and it's just one line, is your cabin's in D12, muties are confined to the lower deck. Mm. Yeah, I I mean, this is way less big than like we saw in the Star-Lord reprint of the... uh, of 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 one of the or the uh, the sorry the sci-fi special reprint of one of the earliest uh, Strontium mm. Dog stories where they like they everybody yelled at Johnny Alpha for getting aboard the ship and stuff. Oh yeah, no one liked um, having him around. Period. No. A week out, the uh, the Twits are getting a, a tour of the ship. They arrive at the bridge where they pull a gun on Captain Bly. It's a hijack. I mean, sure, at first it's one of those guns with with a flag on it, but then the real one comes out. And then he just <laughs> shoots the captain through the chest, which, I mean, don't, like, that guy's not, I don't know. I guess you got to kill at there's least like one a, person. Yeah, and there's like serious. a first officer and stuff that can handle all those captain jobs, you know. Like, one person on most ships I feel like you can make do with, you know. It's tough to be the captain, man. Get shot in it the is. chest or have to go down with the whole thing. Like, fuck that. Yeah, job. man. Listen, this twits the captain now, buddy. Take a look at him. Um, <laughs> cool hat. In his cabin, Johnny is visited by the ghost of Wolf, who counsels Johnny to give up revenge and not blame himself for Wolf's death. But Johnny ain't trying to hear that. He also realizes that the ship is slowing down. Something's which, wrong. Which, I mean, if you could just feel a spaceship slowing down, like, all right. I mean, I imagine it's it's like a cruise ship where you can see, like, you know, when you're on a on, on a big cruise ship, you can feel it kind of like, you you can sense it if there's forward moment, hmm. momentum or not, you know? Yeah. I guess it, it raised some questions about the um, nature of an inertialist drive in the strontium dog world and stuff. Like, you know, if you I like, I could get real sci-fi really awesome. about this, but whatever. Anyhow, the twits are not actually twits, it seems, but instead they're making the long road take change course because they're kidnapping these vid stars. Ah, oh, snap. So what's Johnny going to do about it? I guess well, stay you know, in he, his room for now. <laughs> yeah, first he goes to, con- to investigate and is confronted by an armed clown. And he's just like, whoa, well, the ship's being taken care of, being being hijacked. That's none of my business. Just yeah, goes exactly. back to his cabin and sip tea and do be a meme, basically. Yep. Until the ghost of Wolf tells him to help, if not to be a hero, then just to be able to continue his path of rage in a timely fashion. Come on, man. Don't you want to rampage? Even though I counsel you not to rampage, but you should. It's really just a vehicle for him to help people. Kill these suckers in the in in the stars oh, cabins. We not. see that a uh, potato and Le Bombe don't really get a, um don't really like each other, and that Brigitte Le Bombe is actually Morag Flannery, <laughs> they, <laughs> which I'm all right with. They insult each other, as you'd sort of expect, a little bit of implied, like, oh, you've got more male fans than I do. Whoa. Oh, that's Um, harsh. Yeah. Then suddenly the terrorists show up. Holy snack. I mean, mon dieu. (laughs) (laughs) Her whole flip-flopping is really great. The stars are taken uh, captive as Johnny stumps out and proceeds to take down this clown with his alpha eyes and take his gun Get and then out begin, of my brain. And then he starts to space jacked his way through the ship. And buddy, space jacked is diehard on a spaceship. That's fucking awesome. And yes, he does. And let me tell you, if there's any way, just 474 sealed the deal for me, man. This is like the perfect way to end a fucking like comic yeah definitely so johnny moves through the ship he frees most of the passengers and hands out um, stolen guns to the survivors though he's still double fisting of course this is what i'm talking 
it's just like, oh, <laughs> and then he's shooting all of these people. Like yeah, five he, people die or six people die in the space of like three panels. Yeah, he bursts into the bridge and kills everybody. I really like how the final part is that the uh, the final hijacker dies being like, you didn't even like warn us you were coming in. You didn't give us a chance. It's not fair. <laughs> and Johnny Alpha's like, that's not how I roll anymore. Rage. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Meanwhile, Johnny goes to free the stars who continue to bicker as they are menaced by the twits. It looks like they're going to kill Mr. Potato when Johnny shows up and blasts him to kingdom come. Dude, he just kills three guys. Just like, that's it. That's it. Is that all of them? It's yeah. just like, you can you can see the moment. And this is the perfect crowning point. It's like he shoots all of them and she is just like staring at him. And she's like, yeah, I think that's all of them. I mean, I think so. <laughs> and then like just the next slide, she's just hand behind her her head just pushing everything out as he's like communicating with the navigator that's fantastic (laughs) the day saved saving the ship is back on course la bomb kisses johnny and while that's pretty nice it's gonna be nothing compared to the taste of sweet revenge i i don't know his so she just like straight up plants one on him and it's great because he's into it but then he says the most Han Solo shit, which, yes, was the following passage. But so that's a billion creds worth, huh? Not bad. Like it's All right. Damn. Yeah, he's still smooth. Right. But listen, like he's got to focus on this rage, buddy. <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, but you could take a small break to get a smooch from like a superstar with. Yeah, why not? You know, lips, I guess. Yeah, but great stuff, man. The um, Ascara's art here is so amazing. Like, first the gunfight in, in the rain, and then Johnny, like, fighting all these guys and stuff like that. Like you said, uh, Brigitte LeBomb's pretty pretty hot for a comics lady. It's all yes. good times. I loved Strontium Doc this <laughs> so Definitely. Much. I love this harsh attitude by Johnny, too. At first mm. I was like, oh, like, they, they're saying he's tough, but he let that guy go for his guns but then i realized that actually he just completely outclassed that guy and so he was more sort of like doing it as an example or something than anything (laughs) else you know yes like that that wasn't back in the old days when he would say go for your guns and there'd be a chance of the other of the person he was challenging but you know he just shot him (laughs) yeah awesome yeah really really excited really excited to to continue seeing more of this thing Mm. um and speaking, I guess, from going from earlier in the show of a crazy Brendan McCarthy art, it's Thrill Six, sooner or later. Also known as what? What the fuck? Yeah, that's reasonable. Uh, script robot Peter Milligan, art rep Brendan McCarthy, lettering robot Tom Frame. So I I appreciate the eclecticness and the acid slash like I don't not even mushrooms like like some kind of higher functioning psychedelia yeah that that is the art and writing in this but i mean i it's no i yeah i don't think it's worth it trying to find too much plot in here as opposed to just kind of things that that are happening basically yeah. um yeah so in the abstract dr- dreamscape of ether city swift uh swifty with only a smith's cassette to his name calls for the nearest job center when he's pulled through the phone and brought to a pair of people with giant heads where he must prove that he is the true job hunter. It's like some phone verse. Whatever. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm always going to just answer any, any observation about sooner or later with it's weird, you know, <laughs> but the art's really amazing. And it's kind of funny because actually in Prague 471 sooner or later is the only thing not written by, by, by Grant and Wagner. 
Like it's wow. the one it's the one thing they didn't do this time. Great. Next up, Swifty's being interviewed by the mystical forces of the Scarab Illuminati and the Maya. Which, right. Yeah. And like I guess, oh yeah, sorry, I should say last time when he got pulled into this alternate um, dimension, he was like kind of like uh, you know, knocked about. So he just kind of said, like, oh, which way to um which way to high to Highbury and Islington, which is like I guess like a, a a tube station or something. Whatever. But it also turns out to be the site that Ether City was built on. Remember that it's just a virtual world that's about, that's in so real life six feet six by answer. six. Yeah. So this like proves himself worthy Maybe either because he had knowledge pass or whatever. Yeah, or because. He because he, if he just said that randomly, then he's still favored by the fates or whatever. But mm. so, I guess he's given a job as an apprenticeship in the fight against international waste disposal, Which and he I... might be trained. But then, like a sexy lady tr- climbs out of the head of the Maya, and we learn that this isn't a job; it's the job. Or yeah, something. and but first we're gonna like put you in a, a town. Cause yeah, because then stuff? then Swifty's. Yeah, Swifty's dropped on the street of many madmen, his mission to explore the city and eventually pass some kind of test. So basically, if we're in one of those open world video games, we've just finished like the initial tutorial stage. And now we're in the part where you just kind of got to wander about and gain some experience levels before the next plot point starts, I guess. Yeah, uh, and then also watch like a weird clown guy get shot for reason. Yeah, the, the Scarab Illuminati just kills somebody for whatever. It's mad out here. City of madmen, I guess. Um <laughs> I guess at this point, you're probably pretty hungry. I know our main character is. Yeah, so Swifty's wandering the streets of of many madmen looking for food when he runs into some Todd's, the uh, pork pie press gangers, looking for meat for Mr. Sweeney. Because, you know, Sweeney Todd, he killed people and made him into meat pies. Yeah, listen, they uh, they corner Swifty and advance on him. And again, the art here is really good because most of them have these big bouffant hairdos. And one guy's got a fake bouffant that's like made out of like a rubber glove or something. It's crazy. But then before they can kill him, Swifty seems to just levitate away. Okay, buddy. Which, all right. I mean, that's one way to get out of the problem. Next time, the Nosher. (sighs) And it's very much like I feel myself with sooner or later. I, I remember it being interesting, but not really w- what happened, I guess. And now I'm very much kind of looking at it like, whoa, this is amazing. I have no it, idea what's going on. Yeah, it, it is definitely. So like that sigh was not a sigh of, of being upset. It's just more of a like I I like it. I like it from a standpoint that this is very risky. For a comic like right. this, I guess. <laughs> and it's fucking stellarly beautiful. And the writing just seems not to give a shit, which I'm okay yeah. with. Because it's, it's set itself up at the very beginning to not really give itself a, a singular fuck. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm tacking with it. And a lot of cool shit's happening. And they get a lot done with a, with a one page. You know? Yeah. Also, I feel like there's just a lot of jokes in here or references that I'm not that I'm I'm just not getting that that are going over my head as well. Oh, I think sure. Might make it. But I mean, maybe more. it's just like a pop culture fucking gold mine, and I just don't get it. Right, it's because it's this weird like '86 like Britain like pop culture references. Bizarro, just bizarro. Yeah, and speaking of bizarro blasts from the past, Fox, <laughs> <laughs> it's Thrill Six or no. It's Thrill 7 Future Shocks. God. This was a good this is a good new Future Shock. 
I like couple it. ones going on here. Yeah, so first up, there's a Tharg story, 2000 oh, BC. No. Script robot Grant Morrison as the Mighty One. Art robot Eric Bradbury, letting robot Tony Jacob. And I'll let you know, this. Fox, that this is basically the final Tharg story uh, until like the mid-700s. <sighs> um, there's going to be, God. I mean, there it, there is going to be Tharg's head revisited at a, in Prague 500, but that's a whole different kettle of worms that's different from these other Tharg stories. <laughs> All right. Um, anyhow, just because Ace, it's basically because Ace Trucking is done and we got to fill some time. So yep. Tharg tells us of his first Earth publishing venture when King's Reach Tower arrived to sell comics to Atlantis. Okay. He, yeah, the city's populated by bipedial lizards that um, evolved from dinosaurs and stuff. The comic was called 2000 BC and had fun creatures like Strontium Croc, Judge Komodo, and Rogue Reptile. <laughs> it was a success, but of course, pride comes before having one's head ground to a pulp between two war clubs, because Tharg soon finds the dictators of his rag plotting against him, hits him with Rigelian hot shots, and finds an empty bottle, not knowing that it's full of the deadly plague of thrill suckers, which oh he never encountered before. Yeah, soon... All of Atlantis is covered with them, even like the editorial droids, still led by AAL and one, all fall asleep. Tharg <sighs> is called to task by Tharg the Elder, the only being greater than him, and he's called back to Beetlejuice, and the Elder takes control of the nerve center using the printing presses for the uh, Beetlejuicean uh, bu- uh, bulletin. All right, then. Yeah, it's too late for the Atlanteans as the thrill suckers have made them too lazy to prevent their own civilization from collapsing. Some records still ex- still remain, but that's it. You know, some cave paintings of these early characters, but they're no 10-pound <laughs> winners, buddy. Oh, no. <laughs> but anyhow, now Tharg is back and he'll protect us from those thrill suckers forever. Splendig Verthrig! Thanks again for the weird reminder that those exist. <laughs> Hey, so long as they aren't doing Nazi stuff, I'm basically okay with them, you know? Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, God. They always do. Indeed. So, next up, it's Time Enough to Tell. Script by like John this. Smith. Yeah, I liked it, too. Uh, script by John Smith, art by Barry Kitson, letter by Tony Jacob. And this is the first work by John Smith in the progs. He's a big 2000 AD writer, though he never broke into the U.S. He'll create... A bunch of top thrills for the galaxy's greatest, though, including Ooh. Devlin Waugh, Tyranny Rex, and Revere, which you'll learn all about uh, soon enough, Fox. Okay. Or no, cool. actually, maybe in a couple years, but still, like, you know, Jesus they're cool. Christ. It's cool stuff. Right. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing more of them. This is a very low key story. A man arrives from the future and introduces himself to a guy who's just sitting on a park bench. It turns out that he's traveled back in time because of a, like a nuclear bomb that has destroyed the world, and he just sort of rode the rode the explosion into the past. And they have a very like kind of casual conversation here. The uh, the guy sure with, the, with, with with the booze. Yeah, he's like, hey, so uh, when did the uh, when did the bomb drop? How far in the future are you from? And he's like, oh, uh, you know. Uh, three minutes and 12 seconds. It's like, geez. Uh, enough time for a drink then. Time for another drink, I guess. It's all very like amiable as these guys sort of toast the end of the world, basically. It's very dry British humor. Absolutely. And then finally, again, blast from the past, it's Ugh. the last rumble of the Platinum Horde. I remember this one from hating it. Because, really? Oh, well, not like hating it. You know my stance on fucking Future Shocks, man. Mm-hmm. This one, it just—it's like six or eight pages or something like that. It is a long and, one, and it cuts yeah. into dread. 
Yeah, Dread comes cuts right in the middle of it. I really like this one. This is one of my favorite Future Shocks, actually. So you know, okay, disagree. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah. So the last Rumble uh, first appeared in Prague two seventeen, and now it's being uh, brought back. It says by a by by popular demand, and you know, just again one of these ones where it's like, all right, like Alan Moore is a big deal, so we're gonna put him back in the Prague. Sure. Um, so long ago, the Carabongian Empire built an unstoppable army, the Platinum Horde. They've conquered everything, so they're just going to send them out and uh, conquer the galaxy, kill, burn, pillage. Although, sure, why not? Again, yeah, like I said last time, you you sh- you, you really should pillage first, but whatever. <laughs> um, they go in one direction as they they destroy everything they come across. As they go, they see these weird signs saying "Horizon Eight Billion Parsecs." It's always the same. Uh, time goes by. Generations are raised, fight, and die aboard the Horde ship. A hundred, then a thousand, then a billion years pass. The reason for their past conquests are long forgotten. Even the order of their battle cry is confused. Then Dread shows up, and we get that Kev O'Neill story. It's real awesome. Then we return, and there are only 10,000 Horde members left. Morale is low. Uh, Vandrag the Violent steps in. Like, let's do one last rumble. When they do, they arrive at a planet that was once great, but now spineless and weak. And indeed, it's the one they came from, because the whole universe is round, and they've come in a full circle. What are they going to wow. do? Let's get conquering. That's awesome. Well, uh, yeah, life's an endless cycle of violence, literally. Yeah, I guess the horizon's just a big 8 billion parsec circle. Right, because you think it's a horizon, but actually it's just an endless uh, circular space, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I like this one. I like the idea of just this... Um, War fleet constantly going and then eventually just coming back on where they where they started. I think that's cool. <laughs> Completely forgetting that it's them. Surprised yeah. that like after that long, like that that original planet hadn't exploded. You'd think something. so, but who's to say, you know? Yeah. And with that said, Fox, what we also what we are to say is what were your top and bottom thrills for this May and June 1986? Oh, Prox 471 to 474. So fucking easy. Strontium dog rage at the tippity top, man. It was in nice. full perfect form. I'm I, like, it's a blessing and a curse when you can just roll through a comic and you're just like going through at such a pace because it's so goddamn good. And right now, mm-hmm. rage is exactly that. Like, just from beat to beat, it's getting better and better as you're watching sort of Alpha go through this rage madness that he's in. I don't know. And not to mention getting getting his smooch on with a with a hot fake French woman. <laughs> always always good to get a, a a quick heal in before your next battle. You know what I mean? Yeah, get that buff, and then you're ready to go. <laughs> exactly. Uh, for bottom. I don't really know, because uh, so I'm gonna, hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, only because, because I don't. I, so I, it's always the preface when when things are too good. I don't hate it. It's just okay. that you know, uh, Bad City Blue. I'll put that on the bottom. Like it, uh-huh. it wasn't. It wasn't as so. I I of course fucking love Judge Anderson right now. That is just yes. so wonderful and. With the myriad of beautiful art that and like stories being told in dread, it's like it's fucking impossible for me to like put that anywhere close to the bottom, especially with <laughs> fucking Kev O'Neill's uh, stuff. So you know, Bad City Blue, you know, I, I'd like to see where it's going. I think it's weird that he's got his caveman speak. 
like I I enjoy Bad City Blue. I know maybe you're on the fence about it a little bit, but like I you know I like future future punk action. It's all right, mm-hmm. but it's you know in terms of everything else, stack ranked. I mean, this is at the bottom for me. So Conrad, that's fair. How about you, man? What's your top and bottom? Man, I got to agree with you about Strontium Dog. Man, this is good stuff. Um, you know, die hard in, on a spaceship, uh, snogging ladies, having big fights in the rain. It's good times. <laughs> it Great really times with Strontium Dog. And I like I like Johnny Alpha dealing with like the ghost of Wolf, trying to appeal to his better nature and things. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool, and it sort of shows. You know, give some more depth to the to their relationship as well, which I think is yeah. good. Even though Wolf has passed, they're still sort of talking about him a lot and stuff, and I think that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, still, Art and Dread was also really good this episode. We, and, you know, Brent McCarthy's sort of a new Dread guy, so it's very cool to see him sort of come in and establish himself. He's mm-hmm. going to be a big player, sort of, as we enter the late '80s and early '90s for Dread. So I'm I'm stoked to see him. I'm glad to um, hear that. So, sort of show up and of course Kev O'Neill coming you know he's sort of been in America for a while actually so it's cool to see mm-hmm. Kev O'Neill back and doing some more 2080 stuff I'm always I always appreciate when he shows up just to draw terrifying hideous things like that's real great <laughs> um, for bottom I'm gonna say Ace Trucking buddy I don't yeah. know what happened but um, you know my patience for Ace Trucking really wore out this episode <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm there with you. I'm like, I'm, I'm not excited for jumping back into it again. Actually, I think it needs a, yeah. a longer hiatus. Personally, yeah. So you know, um, it's very much one that um, for a while I've been very happy about. But I think I don't know something about this Doppelgarp story. Just really like, like once I kind of got over the like, whoa, these are chickens. Um, <laughs> at some point, it's like I was like, ugh, these are chickens. You know, so. <laughs> I'm less enthused about what's coming it's up. So yeah, like I said, like another six months of Ace Garp. I don't know. Like that's going to be a lot. Um, and so whatever. Uh, I I feel like it's just showing its age. You know, it's one of these early '80s comics that, um, you know, at, at 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 this day and age, I feel like we moved on to other things. Um, I will like yeah, and and I'd say it's my bottom. Um, sooner or later, is getting like I don't know. I want to like it so much, but it feels like it's too smart for me or something. And I can't tell if that means that it's good or it's bad. And um, like yeah, and otherwise, I'd say like I also like Anderson. That's sort of more in my top area. Bad City Blue. You're like a solid like five out of ten. Like this is a you are in the middle. Like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you can do to fix itself, but you aren't like one that I'm uh, that I'm looking for. So anyhow, I think that's it. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com, on 2080 forums, or on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, and Twitter at spacespinner2k. For everything else over spacespinner2000, we should be there. Just saying it real fast, because I'm a jerk. <laughs> it's linked places. You can find it. It's in every other episode, too. Um <laughs> Then All come right. back next time as we give Judge Anderson a hand. A new Ace Garp adventure begins. Ooh. Kenny Who heads to the uh, Big Meg. Johnny Alpha is hot on the what? trail. Blat, bad City blows. Awesome. And uh, there might be some other adventures as well. <laughs> Until then, I'm okay. Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000.